I'm going to say today essentially falls into the category of what we've just sung about, going deeper and deeper into God's love. And um, I, I hope that as I talk about the words of this incredible book, that uh, it won't be just Chris talking, but at some point you'll sense God's talking to me, you know, and that you'll know his goodness again. You know, I sometimes think about what, um, what life, a life would look like if somebody was really thriving in their faith. I think this for my own life. I think about it, about it for your life, your lives. I'm your pastor, right? If you had everything God had for you, if God was showing up in your lives in a significant and very real way, um, if, if, if faith was more about coming to church on a Sunday morning and it was a whole lot more about really you encountering God in his presence and in his goodness, his love, his power. What would life look like? You ever dream that dream? I think about what it might be. Sometimes I think people despair of dreaming the dream anymore because they've hoped for it and they've longed for it and they've tried for it, but they somehow can't take hold of it. Um, and and uh, get to a point where they struggle as a result. Well, here are a couple of things that may be uh, the reality. Could it be that if we really were thriving in Jesus and in our relationship with him, we would have an incredibly effective prayer life? That we would pray and ask God for the things that we feel God is wanting done in our lives and otherwise, and he would just show up and he'd answer our prayers over and over again. Something that essentially would become normal to us. You ever dream of that? You know, sometimes, you know, we... We, we give ourselves to be used by God in, in service, whether it's in children's ministry or youth ministry or worship ministry, whether it be in our places of work or at school or in our neighborhoods. We just want God to make an impact through us um, so that others' lives are changed. Sometimes, you know, if we were thriving, we would be people who are living holy lives. We've talked about holiness late, lately, and it's, 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 it's the life that is lived where we just face temptation, which is going to come our way, and we just have the capacity to say, no, I'm not going to yield to that. And we get to break free of, of that temptation that might be nipping at our heels often. Um, and we get to live holy lives before God, which is what our hearts long for. Ever dream of that? Sometimes, you know, um, you know, the Bible talks that even in the hardest and most difficult times in life, we can know peace. Literally says it passes understanding. That God might come and be so real in us that in the hardest experiences of life, the most painful, the most difficult, we'll just be able to have strong faith, knowing that God is present, knowing that God is at work, and knowing beyond any kind of doubt that we can rest in his care for us. How many would like that, right? I mean, the dream is there, and I want to take you to a passage today that basically says you can live the dream. It's Jesus' words to us, taught a long time ago, recorded in Scripture, um, but they basically say, say this thing is not pretend this is not made up this is real you can encounter me and you can know the power and reality of god in your life day by day by day and you can live the dream so let me read it to you john 15 verses 1 to 8 new living translation jesus is speaking i am the true grapevine so there's an illustration going on here right uh, an analogy and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. And then this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from you, me, you can do nothing. Significant statement for us today. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Um, I want to tell you that is profound teaching for people who want to live the dream, who long to live the dream. And I hope that's you. And I hope if you've given up living the dream and you, and, and you haven't been able to take hold of these things that I have described, that today will help you a lot. But you know what the text is really about is us producing fruit. Jesus is using the analogy of a vine and branches. And when vine and branches together are, are, are healthy, they produce something. They produce fruit for people to enjoy. And, you know, what it's saying is not that we can produce a little bit of fruit, but Jesus says in that text that our lives can produce much fruit, much of what God wants for us. And I've mentioned some of them for you here today. People who have powerful prayer lives that move the hand of God. People who are holy in their living. People whose lives are used by God in significant ways. These are just examples of fruitfulness, I would suggest today. People who find peace even in the storm of, storms of life. And the key to what Jesus is teaching, and we're going to reflect on these two verses mostly today, come to is in verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, and we can put it up again, but it says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Now, I don't know if you noticed how much that little phrase, remain in me, and I, uh, this remaining idea comes up in that text, but it's a lot. I didn't actually count, but it's got to be 10 times in eight verses. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. You know, this idea that, that we, can, we can have fruit because we've remained in Christ. And then verse 5 come, comes along and says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. It's not like it might happen. You know, it's not like it's something that's conditional on anything else other than remaining in Jesus. If we remain in him... It's going to happen. It's like grapes grow on a grapevine because that's what grapevines produce. It's just going to be there. It's like a guarantee. It's like a promise of Jesus. But then this truth in this verse, it says, apart from me, you cannot do... This, yes, apart from me, you can do nothing. All these things which we've described as illustrations of what it means to be really alive in Christ and knowing God's presence and God's action and God's power in our lives... They're not going to happen, understand that, if we don't remain in Jesus. Now, of course, remaining in Him is what's critical. What does that mean? great way to understand a phrase like remain in me is to go to another translation of the Bible where different Bible scholars have written in a bit of a different way. If, you've ever, if you want to do that, that's a great thing to do, and it's, it's an easy thing to access online now. Other translations say, abide in me. And, I, and, and as I abide in you, much fruit will come. It's an interesting little phrase because the word abide literally speaks about where we live. You know, we abide in our abode, right? I, I abide on Blue Jay Boulevard in Woodstock, Ontario. It's my home. I live there. I live in that place. You know, it, it's, 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 it's where I spend a ton of time. I love the, tra the not the translation, the paraphrase that... Uh, uh, Peterson wrote a long time ago now called The Message because it, it says it so beautifully. Let me read verse 4 to you in the message version. Live in me, he writes. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can bear fruit. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined 
to me. You know, it's there, this idea that we have to live in Jesus. Think of it that way. We have to make him our home. What does that mean? You know, this is all in the context of, of, again, the vine and the branches and the fruit bearing. But you see, between a vine and a branch, there's an organic union, right? Where does the vine stop and the branch begin? Well, it's hard to tell because they're one. They're, they're, they're one and the same. And, and what we have to do is live in Jesus and, and, to, and to be separate or distinct. Uh, verse 5, if we could pop that up in the message, separated, you can't produce a thing. It's possible to be a believer of Jesus, but not be this, this intimately connected to him. So listen, to live in Jesus, to abide in him, to remain in him, to, be, to live and be at home in him is this, to be intimately connected to Jesus relationally, relationally. Um, it's about our being united with Christ and experiencing that union with him day after day after day, from which then the promise of fruit flows. It's not hard. You know, we spoke uh, uh, last fall about how Christ lives in us by his spirit, very literally. When we open up our lives to Christ, God comes and he, the Bible says he dwells in us. He becomes part of us. He's right here. He's real. Um, and out, out, out of that reality, you know, we can, we can draw close to Jesus over and over and over again so that the fruit comes. Um, we will then, so the text is suggesting, we will pray and God will answer our prayers. We'll be fruitful in prayer. We will offer ourselves to serve God in whatever context, and God will work through us. We will we'll be able to, to face temptation and not crumble in its presence and in its power. We'll, we'll find ourselves in struggling and difficult and troubled times, but we'll know the peace. You see, my point here, my friends, and what Jesus is trying to say is, you want God to come alive and be working through you? Remain in me, live in me, abide in me. Make me your home. I want to illustrate this uh, using this face cloth. Anybody wondering why this is here? Let me see your hands. Ah, oh, I succeeded. I drew you in. This is, this is kind of silly, um, you know, but so what? Um, for about two months, three, well, before Christmas, I started going to the physiotherapist because I've had tendinitis in my forearm right here. Anybody had tendinitis? A lot of you have. This is ridiculously painful. It's the inflammation of tendons in your arm, and it's like when you, when you do the wrong thing, it's like somebody takes a knife. I'm not kidding. It sticks a knife. And it's really, really sore. I want to be up here and be male and not be a wimp. But, you know, like I'm just telling you the truth. It hurts. I, I haven't been able to pour my tea in the morning. Like I can lift heavy things if I don't use those tendons. But I go to pour tea. It's like, ah, and I become this wimp, right? Um, I, this is what I've had to do to brush my teeth for two months. Like, brushing your teeth isn't that hard, but I pull up my toothbrush, and I stand in front of my mirror, and I do this. <laughs> I got to tell you, it's a hard thing to stand in front of the mirror looking at yourself doing this, because you're like, you're a goofy kind of guy, man. Like, what's going on? Anyway, the face cloth, here, here, here's where it comes to in terms of washing my face. I, you know, normally what you do, of course, is get your face cloth out, and you soap it all up, and you kind of wash your face. Mission accomplished. I haven't been able to do that. This hurts way too much to actually, uh, until very recently, to actually do this. Um, you see, the arm's kind of not functioning very well. It's kind of banged up and broken. You get that? It hurts way too much. It's too much. It's, it's not functioning the way it was intended to function. And here's what I've had to do. Soap up the face cloth. You can get all ready to go. I take the left hand, and I attach it to the right hand, and I bring the hand up to, to wash my face, but the power comes from this left hand. So then I do it. No problem. I'm not using these muscles or these tendons. I'm using the muscles and the tendons in this hand, which are in good shape, and I get the job done. Here's the deal. 
Um, I think in a very real way, this is me, this arm, and it's you. We would love to be supernaturally powerful and enabled and spiritually strong, but we've all got tendonitis. And we want to do things for God. We want to accomplish for God. We want to be fruitful for God. We want to get the face washed, but we can't do it because this thing's broken. And along comes Christ if we will remain in him, and he takes hold of us, and he empowers us, I'll leave the face cloth alone, to do what we can't do. You see, it's not the right hand washing the face, it's the left. The right hand is used as part of the journey. It is washing the face, but it's enabled by the left. And I want to tell you, Christ comes into our lives if we will remain in him, abide in him, live in him, make our home in him. And he comes and he infuses our life with his very being. God shows up to enable us to do what we can't do on our own. You get it? So, you know, when, when, when it comes, for example, to, <clears throat> to being powerful in prayer, <laughs> you know, we read in Scripture about these people who pray these great prayers, and Jesus said, if you pray believing, you'll move mountains, and incredible things will get done for God's kingdom. When it comes to this, we're this, you know, we're the tendonitis-filled, broken, unusable arm who can't accomplish anything on its own, and Jesus comes by his Spirit, and he infuses our lives so that we can do what Jesus wants us to do. And he, he leads us to pray the things that are in the will of God, that are in the mind of God. He leads us to pray the things that God wants us to pray for. He literally, by his presence, gives us faith that we can trust that God's in this and that God is going to, to answer the prayer. And the face gets washed. And, and we pray in the, in the power and the enablement of Christ, and all of a sudden, God starts to work. And it's like, whoa, God acting through me like that? Sometimes you want to serve God and be useful, like... It's in Scripture all over the place, and we probably heard it if, for, depending how long we've been in church generally, but God wants to use us to make a difference in this world. He wants to use us to bless the lives of other people, and we've tried, and we've tried, and we've tried, but we can't wash our face. It doesn't accomplish the ends to which we are endeavoring. But, you know, if we will remain in Jesus, he will come, and he will give the power that is required in order to get the job done. He, by his Spirit, will show up in significant ways so that when we serve him, it's not our power or our capacity, because we don't have much, but it's his power and his capacity producing real life change in other people, leading them to faith in Jesus or blessing him through, you know, whatever means God enables us and has gifted us for and called us to. You know, the idea of, of, of living a holy life, I want to tell you, um, I think this is so often the experience of good-hearted followers of Jesus. They want to live that holy life. They want to be able to say no to temptation. But very often temptation comes and it's a powerful thing and there's this opportunity to do what God says is only hurtful and wrong and will be destructive in your life. And the temptation comes and we just crumble. I'm not going to ask for hands to be put up, but truth be told, all of us should put up our hands because we all live there at times. Paul called himself, the Apostle Paul, the incredible leader of the Christian church in the first century, the, the chief of all sinners. He looked at himself, and the closer he grew to Jesus, the more he became aware of his sin. That's the way it works, right? I can stand before you and say, I'm the chief of all sinners. I might not know it as powerfully as Paul, but I know me. Um, and I know you, because we're all living this same reality. And then temptation is a powerful thing. Let me tell you this. There are times when I'm tempted to do what I know God has called me away from, called, told me not to do. This is out of his love that we have sung for. He gives us these instructions. He said, don't go there. It's only going to harm you. And I love you too much to want you to do that, so I'm telling you not, not to do it. And, and I, I face temptation every now and then, and sometimes when I am remaining in Jesus, 
uh, abiding in him, living in him, making him my home. I want to tell you, literally it's a miracle because that temptation comes and there is, there's no power in it for me. I just have no desire to do it. It's easy to walk away. No effort on my part. Somebody else is doing it. But there are other times when I'm not so much remaining, abiding, living in Jesus, that that temptation comes and it is a powerful call and it is a hard thing to resist. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Anybody relating to what I'm talking about? This is real stuff. But I'm telling you, my friends, when we are abiding in Jesus, he comes and by his presence, his spirit dwelling in us, he enables us to do what we cannot do on our own. We're weak, broken, hurting. It's a miracle, honestly. It is an encounter of God. It is an experience of God that takes us to where God wants us to go, fruitfulness before him. And then this idea of peace. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how your life is going. Mine's been kind of tough in the last months. Hard, one thing after another after another. Difficult. Um, and, you know, the Bible talks about having this peace that passes understanding and all these things. And, and, you know, what we long for is to know that peace so that we can just rest in Jesus. And sometimes it's like that and sometimes it's not. <laughs> sometimes, you know, bad things happen. You go, God, oh, where are you? Do you really love me? Do you care about me? It doesn't seem like you care about me right, God. right now, God. I'm mad at you, God. Why'd you let this into my life, God? And, you know, we're people with tendonitis and we can't quite get to where we want to be. But there are other times, I'm telling you, my friends, listen to this, Psalm 90, verse, sorry, 91, verse 1. I love this psalm and I love this verse. It's become incredibly important to me. Those, and note this, who live in, can I say live in Jesus, remain in him, abide in him, those who live in the shelter of the Most High, dwell there, will find, say the word with me, rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It is so possible, even in those most difficult and jarring moments of life, to just rest in the knowledge, God is with me, God loves me, God is actively at work, God will take care of this, he's even going to bring good things from it. And just rest there. It only happens when Jesus comes because we, he is in us and we are in him and he infuses our lives with his presence and strengthens our faith and enables us to just rest, knowing that God's going to take care of all this stuff. You know, I, lo I love uh, Philippians 4, 7 also. Look at this one. Then uh, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You hear the repetition of this in the scripture? It's a big part of what we're called to. Let me ask you a question. Whose peace will we encounter if we live in Jesus? I'm waiting for an answer now. Whose peace is it? that we will experience profoundly in our lives. His peace, God's peace, it sort of invades our lives. He works, he comes and he does it, and his peace dwells in us, and it, and it kind of takes over, and we live in peace so that we can rest in his presence because I'm remaining in Jesus, because I'm abiding there, I'm, I'm living there. I'm making him my home. Holiness, oh, hard to be obedient. How many of us just long to honor God with our lives, but we just can't take hold of it? Can't take hold of it. Jesus said, remain in me. Come into this place of intimate, connected relationship with me. Know me at that deep level. And the fruit will come. It'll come. 
Here's this promise again. It comes to us in Galatians 5, verse 16. Another letter that Paul wrote later to the Galatian church. He said, so I say, live by the Spirit. It's a similar way of saying the same thing. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. It's just not going to happen. It's what I spoke to earlier. It's just not something we want to do because God is showing up, right? God is showing up. So my friends, obviously, you know, we, we come to this question, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? How do you get there? How do you come to that place of, of actually living in that reality? Well, you might remember last fall we talked about um, fellowship with one another, and I said to you, I'm sure you all remember this in intimate detail, but fellowship isn't something we do, it's something that is. Anybody remember that? Oh, my wife, my wife, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, honey. She just does that to make me feel better, because like, I get depressed on Sunday afternoons, and I'm a miserable kind of guy. No, I'm kidding you. But let me remind you then, fellowship is not something primarily that we do, it's something that is. We are all, if we are believers in Christ, if we have come to trust him, opened our lives to him, confessed our sin through him to God and found forgiveness, we, be, we, we, we are in him, connected to him. And if all of you are connected to him, guess, who, guess what? We're all connected to each other through and in Jesus. We have this unity, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Remembering now? Anyway, in a very, you know, and whether we choose to exercise that fellowship is up to us. Whether we choose to go to a life group or impact men's ministry or sisterhood women's ministry or whether we choose to become part of a missional community working downtown, you know, whether we exercise community so that we get together with people that we are united with, that's up to us. It's the same thing here. You know, we, we literally come to this place where we open our lives to Jesus and, and invite him to come into our lives and he becomes our Lord, our Savior, our friend we talked about recently as well. And we come to this place where we have fellowship with Jesus. It's there. It is. The question is, will we exercise fellowship with him? Will we take the time to connect intimately with him? Will we choose to, to, to come to those, those moments when we just have the, 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 his presence with us so much so that he is powerfully real and at work in us? John 15 says if we exercise that fellowship, we will be fruitful. The things that God wants to just pour from our lives will just emerge. Powerful prayer and useful for the kingdom and holy lives and so on. Peace when we need it the most. God will come to us and God will become alive and we will get caught up in the reality of God day by day. Day by day. So how do you abide in Jesus? How do you remain, live, make him our home and on and on and on? How do we get to that place of intimate and organic union with Christ? Well, this is so simple that you're going to look at me and roll your eyes and say, oh, come on, Chris, that can't be it. But it is simple. And it's exactly what Jesus is talking about in John 15. The way that we get organically and intimately connected to Jesus, the branch and the vine, is simply to spend time with him regularly in an ongoing way. Jesus said in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, so scripture is a big part of this, if you remain in me, note the if. It's in there a lot in that passage as well. I wish you had counted these words, come to think of it. But if you do this, and, my, and if my words remain in you, but they become part of you, um, you can ask anything you want in prayer, and I'll give it to you. God will answer that prayer. 
fruit will flow. You know, this idea of, um, um, of what God wants to do in us is absolutely critical. And whether we long for God to do those things. Can I ask you today, honestly, and only you know the answer to this, but do you long to live the dream? Do you long to encounter God in your life in the, way, the ways that I have described to you today? And there's so many others. You know, people say, oh, I, I just can't figure out what God's will is for my life. Well, if you don't live in Christ and abide in him and remain in him, you don't come together with him and give him that opportunity to speak into your life through scripture and in that quiet place, you're never going to know God's will for your life. It's not possible. Separated from me, the message says you can do nothing. There's not going to be fruit, that which God wants in your life, if you don't intimately connect with Jesus. It's impossible. So what I'm saying to you this morning, my friends, is if... if if you want to put it this way, if you're looking for some of the secrets to the kingdom of God, the critical things that we must give attention to in order to find fullness of life in Jesus, to really encounter God in our lives, Jesus is telling about this, uh, us about this in John 15. And we just have to take time in our day to get into his presence. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6. Go into your, your room and close the door in your homes. One-on-one -on -one with me. Know my presence. Here, uh, allow me to understand that you are with me and, and, and that you're listening to me as I speak through the word. Spirit to spirit connection. Intimate time with me. Spend time with me, he says. And the fruit will flow. It'll just come. It'll just come. I've envisioned it this way. Another illustration maybe. Think of a circle inside a circle. Smaller circle inside a larger circle. There are folks... And all of all, all these people I'm going to describe to you, I believe, are they're, they're Christ's. They're, they're followers of Jesus. They're people who are part of the family of God. They've taken that step. They've entered into faith. But the people inside the circle are people who live in him, abide in him, remain in him, make their home in him. And it is they who are, are having these dramatic answers to prayer, and it's almost becoming normal to them because this is how they're choosing to live. God hears their prayer and he responds. And there are, there are people inside that circle who, who it seems they're being used in significant ways by God to bless and to change the lives of other people. You know, they serve and God shows up and God impacts. And there are people who want to be holy in life and for some reason they're able to say no to temptation most of the time and, and, and they're able to live these holy lives. There are people in the most troubling and difficult times that they are able to rest in Christ and they find peace. They're living in the circle. They found it. Now step back into that outer circle. And the people who, who are in this outer circle are looking at the people in the inner circle and saying, how do they do that? How come they get their prayers answered and I don't? How, how come those folks are able to somehow make an impact in the lives of other people for God and I want to and I do the same kind of work, but it, you know, it happens there, but it doesn't happen in me? How come it's those people who have the capacity to, to not yield to temptation and kind of keep their life for the most part sin-free but I can't. And how come when their lives fall apart, they can find this peace, but when my life falls apart, I'm questioning God and I doubt his love and, and I'm struggling with fear and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm shaken to my core. See, I think both people are in Christ. But some people choose to form their lives around this reality about remaining in Jesus and making their home in him, living in the shelter of the Most High. 
Some people just make a priority of spending time with Jesus in a regular and ongoing way, and his word dwells on them, and he dwells on them. There's this intimate connection between the person and their Lord, and it forms their life. It's at the core of who they are. And I guess what I'm asking you here this morning is where are you living? What circle are you in? Are you encountering the dynamic reality of God? Are you watching it happen? Jesus says, I want you to step into the circle. I want you to know the reality of my presence in your life intimately and powerfully. Because when you give yourself to connecting to me relationally, (laughs) everything else will flow. You know, we talked uh, uh, recently uh, in this series that we did on identity in Christ, and the Bible says Jesus is our friend. I don't know if there's anybody in this church that that truth has impacted more than me. I think he's my friend. You don't have much of a friendship with anybody if you don't spend time with them and at least talk to them once in a while, right? You don't. You're not connected. (laughs) And Jesus says, come to me. You who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest (laughs) come to me anybody is thirsty let him come to me and drink john chapter 7 over and over come to me and jesus he's just waiting and he loves all of us who are in him and, and and he's forgiven us and we become the child of god through him and we have this relationship with god but some of us lived as the text said separate from that reality it's real but we don't engage it and there's no fruit, according to Jesus. You know, the, the one thing I hear, and, and people are honest with me, and I wouldn't want to judge them over this, but I hear when, when I call people, as I have before, to just being with Jesus regularly. I'm not going to say every single day, but, you know, like a lot. <laughs> I don't want to put a rule on it or a legalistic expect. I'm not going to say every single day, but a lot. If you do it every day, fabulous and good for you, but a lot. People say, well, I'm too busy. I know we're all busy. We live in a culture which tells us to be busy, and there's nothing wrong with being busy. But I'll tell you, there's something desperately wrong with busyness if we don't have time to do what Jesus calls us to do in John 15. There just is. Because it keeps us from encountering the reality of God and being fruitful for him. Let me say this, honestly, if you're too busy to make this a priority in your life, you need to radically rethink how you do life. I get a series of sermons brewing in me on this one because I believe it to my core. And we have this opportunity to connect with the living God, to be filled with his love and his grace and his power, so much so that our lives become incredibly fruitful for him and for his kingdom. And we don't bother because we have other things to do. <clears throat> doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to leave you with an image. And I teach you to preach. They say, never introduce a new text at the end of your sermon. Well, sorry. Here we go. I'm going to introduce a new text. And I want to give you a picture just as we conclude. And it's the story of Mary and Martha. Some of you know it. Jesus has friends the name Mary and Martha, and their brother Lazarus. One day they're in, uh, they're in uh, Mary and Martha's home. And, uh, you know, Jesus is coming. Yeah, time together. Going to remain in him and abide in him. And 
enjoy him. I'm talking about enjoying Jesus in this, sitting in his love, knowing his presence, knowing his pleasure of who you are, knowing his friendship. I'm not talking about going to Jesus and asking for all the things that you want. I'm not talking about going even to Scripture to learn stuff, although that happens especially early in the journey. I'm talking about enjoying Jesus, being in the presence of the living God so that he fills you up. Anyway, uh, Mary and Martha are there. The, the story proceeds is that Martha's in the kitchen preparing the meal, probably the expectation of the culture. She's busy in order to host Jesus in the way that it's expected. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his words. That's what the text says prior to this verse. She's just enjoying relationship with him. He's speaking into her life. She's surrounded by his love and his goodness and his grace. She is in the presence of God, eternal. And she's loving it. Well, Martha gets a little annoyed and she comes to Jesus uh, and says, Jesus, like, would you tell my sister to get up and to come into the kitchen and help me? I've got all this work to do. I'm trying to cook for you and I want to make this nice for you. Would you get her off her and get her into this, get her into this kitchen so she'll do something? And this is what Jesus says, Luke 10. Martha, Martha, you can hear the compassion, right? The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Anybody here worried and upset about many things? But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better than what you have chosen by implication, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says there's one thing that is needed in life for us to know fullness of life in Jesus, for us to live the dream for the vision to become reality, for God to be powerfully at work in us so that we become fruitful for him. One thing, and I'm not going to take it away from her. My friends, in your life, there's one thing that's needed. One thing. If you want to live the dream, and that's that you would remain in Jesus, abide in him, live in him, dwell in him, make your home in him. On a regular, even daily basis, just come together and know his presence. And let him enable you by the power of the living God to become everything that you and he longs for us to become. Will you do it? Sounds simple. But will you do it? This is to my Father's glory, Jesus said in verse 8 of John 15, that you bear much fruit. It's what he wants. I want to tell you, deep down, it's what you want too. If you are in him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we want to know you and we want to know your power and your life. We want to be caught up in God. We want to be used by God. We want our prayers answered in dramatic ways. We want to be holy. We want to so much more. And Father, our prayer is that uh, you would give us the wisdom and the grace to just do this. To take hold of that one thing that is needed uh, so that we might know you know your presence, have that intimate, loving, organic connection with our Lord. Make it happen, Lord, in us, and help us to choose it. We pray in your name. Amen. We're going to move toward our time of communion now. It's a special, precious time. We do this five times in a year at IPC. Um, and for those of you who are in Christ... Those of you who know him and love him, believe in him with all of your hearts, you're welcome to participate in this. And um, 
I think it's no accident, shall we say, that we're talking about drawing close to Jesus and knowing intimacy in relationship with him, and then we come together to share this meal. And it is a meal such as Jesus provided for his disciples so long ago, and it's recorded in the Bible. Um, before anything else, we come and we um, confess our sin to him that we might be in intimate relationship, nothing between us and him, intimate relationship. It, it exists, but if we're not living in obedience, we need to confess it and turn away from it and know again the closeness of that relationship in its fullness. So let's pray together. Lord God, we come to you because uh, although we love you and uh, love you with all of our hearts, sometimes we do what's wrong. Uh, the temptation of the world is powerful and sometimes, Lord, we haven't abided and remained in Jesus. Um, and we have, uh, we've done things that you say we should not do. Sometimes it's in our thoughts and sometimes it's in our words. Sometimes, Lord, it's in our action. Um, but we come to confess to you the reality. And we come to pray now that you will forgive us of all of our sin, every last piece of it. God, we know that your word says if we confess that you are faithful and just, then you will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in this moment here and now, our God, um, we confess. And in this moment, we accept and believe in the cleansing uh, that you have provided for us even in our confession. Thank you that you have made us white as snow in your eyes. And we pray now, Lord, that as we spend this time remembering Jesus and what he has done for us, we will know you. Um, we will know you in intimate and organic ways as we draw close to the one who has died for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Jesus gathered together with his disciples. Um, Many, many, many years ago, and he said, he took bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He was about to go to the cross and allow his body to be broken. And I, in quoting him, say to you, this is his body broken for you. The same way Jesus then took the cup and he said, this cup um, is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus died for us. Here in this place, we celebrate it today in the knowledge that uh, God is good and that he has done all that has been required for us to know his presence, his love, his grace, and his salvation. Let's receive these elements together. We'll share them as one in a few moments at, uh, at the time where I instruct you and uh, ask the elders to come now and distribute the elements. Forsaken, I've been 
is the body of Christ which was broken for you. Let's eat together. And this cup is the new covenant in the blood of Jesus which was shed for the forgiveness of sin. Let's drink it together now. And let's pray. Gracious God, um, 